Hello and welcome and thank you for joining. I'm your host, Seth Haskin. I started this podcast to dive deeper into the ways we know one another and God. The goal is to ask the question of how God loves. I invite people from many walks of life to join me on this adventure. As we dive deeper into personifying God, we have to bring him into our three-dimensional world, but also understand that he is in a state of being the fourth dimension. I would love to welcome and thank our guest today. She is a senior communication arts and literature education major. That's a mouthful. <laughs> she is in Bethel Choir as a alto uh, with a unique humor that will make you smile and laugh and a warm personality. Welcome today, Caitlin Rentschler. Thank you for joining us. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I sure can. And thank you for having me on your podcast. It's super exciting. Um, and also thank you for those kind words. Um, they made me smile. Um, yes, tell you about myself. So I am, um, uh, sorry, it is a mouthful. You're right. I, I always just say that I'm an English education major because the other thing is too long to say. And I'm actually a junior right now, but my credit standing is, is, is a senior level. Um, yeah, so originally I came into Bethel as like um, a special education major. Um, and that's because I had worked earlier at this place in high school, um, Kids Company. It was like an after school program. Um, and I got placed with some um, children who had different types of disabilities. The first child I worked with, um, he had Down syndrome. Um, and I loved him with all my heart. Um, he, he was five years old and he could only say puppy, yes, no, mommy, daddy. Um, and he said a lot of no. He also, um, his name for me was Onion. He couldn't, he couldn't pronounce my name. So instead of calling me Caitlin, he called me Onion, and it was the cutest thing. Um, All the important things. Yeah. Mom, dad, puppy, Onion, and no. Yes. Yes. That's it. That's all you That's need. That's all you need. If I, if I decided I only had to use like five words in my vocabulary, I'd probably go with what he went with. So Maybe I'd say garlic instead of onion. You know, yeah, but like onion kind of sounds closer to Caitlin. You know, I don't know why Caitlin onion, Caitlin garlic. I don't know. Um, yeah. So, um, it was really fun learning to work with like behaviors with him and help him to like grow. Um, and that was fun to be able to see. And then later they moved me with another kid, um, who had like trouble focusing, and he also was prone to a lot of violence. Like he'd put kids in the headlocks on the playground. Um, and he put me in headlocks a couple times. Um, yeah, it's fun. Um, but we made progress with him as well. And that was just my favorite thing is just being able to see them to grow. And when they make mistakes, I would like kind of sit them down and I would talk to them and I would tell them what they did wrong and ask them how they, th how they thought that they could, um, change things. And I don't know, I always liked having that heart to heart and being the safe place for some kids who didn't want to go to other staff. Um, there and I really I really fell in love with that job and so I was like yeah special education is definitely my thing and so I came to Bethel um, thinking that's what I was gonna do um, and then I ended up actually getting into the coursework and mm -hmm. it's to be honest special ed is more about a, a lot of it is paperwork um, and observation and uh, observing so much that you know which um, intervention strategy to implement. Mm -hmm. And if you know me, I'm not a very, um, observant person or I like, I try to be, but like, I don't always catch things all the time. And so I was starting to really worry that I wouldn't be able to serve these kids the way I wanted to. And, um, I'm, I'm also kind of a perfectionist in a lot of ways, even though I'm not observant, those don't really go together super well. Um, but I do like doing things to the best of my ability. And, when I, when I was in the field sometimes, or like last summer, I had a job at a, at a daycare center and things weren't going right and kids were misbehaving and I couldn't do anything to fix it like I wanted to. It was kind of devastating. Mm -hmm. And I was worried that um, what, I, what I would do would never work. Um, and so that was a lot of stress I had on myself. And um, yeah, last summer I actually like got bit by a child and the, there was like kids like jumping on top of tables and um, landing again and I'm trying to stop it. And in the midst of the chaos, like I'm in, I'm in this preschool room um, and the kids around me are screaming, going nuts, going wild. And I just like had like this thought inside my head. I was like, this is not what I want to do for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. um, and so I changed. Um, 
I figured out that I could actually still change my major since mm-hmm. um, a lot of my since education courses, you know, I still I still had education courses underneath my belt. So I could change to another major and just take one extra class during the summer. Um, so I changed to English literature education. Um, and I a reason I was scared to do that was because I was afraid that I wouldn't be able to um, teach junior hires and high schoolers as well mm-hmm. as I was able to be with little kids. Um, and I actually led a Bible study with um, junior hires at my church last summer. And I figured out that I really liked them a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really great. And I feel like that was just God being like, it's okay to not like be perfect and like to have your original plan go the way you want it to go. Mm-hmm. Um because it was kind of humbling to like have to tell myself like okay I can't do like that job that I thought would be like perfect like obviously helping people but I can still help people and like be in relationships with students um, and teach them things and help them know that they're smart and not dumb like there's a lot of good that I can do through um, English literature education and I'm honestly really excited to get into it. Sounds exciting you know you journeyed through what you thought you wanted to do experienced some of what it would look like and was like, mm, maybe I don't want to do that. And then you experience something else and you're like, this is actually what I want to do. Yeah. So it's very important. And I think that's something that's missed about choosing a degree in high school and in college. Um, the experience you say you want to do this, um, but they never like give you experience to be in that field. I was lucky enough to have a program at my high school where it was like school to work. So when you were a senior, you, if you had taken all the classes you needed, um, but you still had space in your day, they would do a school to work program. So I got to go to the hospital in our area to the surgery center. And I got to like shadow and like watch things and see if like, "Hmm, maybe this is something I want to do. And I thought surgery was very interesting and it helped me learn about medicine a little bit more because I wasn't just like observing surgeries. I got to like learn about like inpatient, outpatient stuff, like all like recovery and what happens before surgery, all that. So it was very interesting. And I think that's very important that I think it should be offered more, you know, in high school and in college to just have this exploratory time and not have so much pressure to just pick something right away. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I know a lot of different cultures do it differently. Like mm-hmm. I know like a couple European countries will like have you go on a certain track um, once you um, get to a certain level in school. And then through that track, you can kind of figure out different um, ways to um, work in the area that you like. So if you're like more of a creative person, you mm-hmm. can like try out like um, English things or art things instead of just like, you know, every, they're they're trying to get everything in at once in our school system right Mm -hmm. now. And it's a lot, especially when you're trying to figure out what you want to do. Yeah. So especially when you're in high school. So, Oh yeah. In college. But anyway, (laughs) it was great introduction to college life, you know, cause, uh, you're around my age. I think I'm a little bit older than you, but, um, but like a year, not much. I just turned 21 yesterday. So, I'm still 21. I'll turn 22 in August. So yeah, half a year. Half a year. Not not Ha-ha. too big of a difference, but um, it's good to have um, people who are so experienced in college and not so much, uh, uh, not so much. Sorry, that's the wrong word. Uh, people who are experienced in college and people who aren't experienced in college, and just a v- variety of ways of thinking about things. And that's why I have so many people on the show. I so. know. Um. So. Let's kind of just step into relationships okay. real quick. Just real, real quick. Real quick. Real quick. And just see where it kind of leads us um, in what you have experienced in life. Mm-hmm. So the question I usually always ask on the show right away is, what comes to mind when you hear the word relationship? Wow. Okay. I feel like I could either be really deep with that answer or try to be, or I could just like give you a short one. So I'm just going to give my best to go at it here. Whatever you want. Um, I feel like, I feel like relationship is just like being in like community with other people. Um, it's, I don't think it's something we have to complicate a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And we, we try to put like a lot of um, rules around relationships, but it's, it's just being with other people and, 
I think the way that we're supposed to go about it is how Jesus tells us to is just loving them as yourself. And, and that doesn't just mean like being nice to them every once in a while. That means actually like thinking about like what you would want at this time or how like, you know, you could best serve them and, and doing that for them. Um, yeah, that's what I would say. There we go. There you go. Now we have your lens for the rest <laughs> of the show. <laughs> there you go. Maybe not the rest of the show. All right. So um, <clears throat> do you, when you think about relationships, is there a certain way you think about specific relationships? Do you have a way of categorizing relationships? I know you just said that sometimes we overcomplicate things, but I'm, it's just a question because some people, they literally categorize relationships and some people, they don't realize that they have a category of a relationship? I think categories can be a hindrance and um, they can also be a good thing. Um, I, I say we complicate them too much. As be, I, t- I tend to complicate them too much and I have friends who tend to complicate them too much and we think too much about like what we're doing wrong or what that, what that other person did and what it means. Um, and then it just tends to go downhill from there. Um, or we just end up making ourselves feel bad. Um, but I think it can be good to put, um, to categorize relationships. Um, especially if like you have like a friend who like used to be a friend, like a closer friend to you, Mm -hmm. but then like you have to like consciously recognize that like, oh, they're not like one of my best friends anymore. They're more like you know, there's someone who's going to be there kind of in the background. Like, you know, you have background friends Mm -hmm. and then you have like friends that are with you all the time, like people who aren't going to leave you. Um, yeah, I I think it's healthy to recognize that there's certain levels of distances in different relationships, but I also don't want to tell people to like do that too much. I feel like there should be a good balance. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Uh, definitely. Um, when we're talking about, you know, this close relationship and not close relationship with friendships, I mean, those change all the time. Yes. And I think it's important to understand that too, that even though we may say they're not close, uh, a close friend, but they're still a friend, that that may change throughout life. And I think there's this idea that you'll find your best friends once and you'll only find them that one time. And so you don't ha- don't want to lose them. Yeah. That's Do you a- think that's true? Absolutely. I think I feel like media throws a bunch of that at us or like books or things um, like they're they're like, yeah, you're going to find your best friend and they're, you're, it's going to be your best friend for life. Nothing's going to change. But people change. Um, we're changing constantly. I change. I, I've changed since last semester. I've changed a lot since freshman year. And the friend that was my best friend then isn't necessarily my best friend now, but she's still my friend mm-hmm. or like. You know, or like someone I wasn't as close to last semester can be closer to me now or people have faded away. It's it's just because our lives are changing and we're changing with it. And because those things are changing, our friendships are obviously going to change in the dynamic. And it's about how we face those dynamics, I guess. Um, and and sometimes sometimes you can put enough work into it to make it like um, change, change positively with the changes in your life so that you guys don't lose connection. Um, but sometimes it's kind of out of your control too. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's something that I've struggled with throughout, like thinking throughout life that, um, just this idea of that friends change and that sometimes I'll be really close with someone, but later on I'll think that I was never close with them because we aren't still together. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a hurdle that I kind of have to overcome is that sometimes we are closer than I thought we were or they thought we were closer than I thought and so on and so forth. And so I think it's something definitely we have to realize in society that even though we have best friends forever or best friends or friends or acquaintances or whatever you, um, whatever level they're at with you, I think it's important to understand that throughout life those levels can change as we change and as they change and what needs need met at a certain point in our life um, can change those levels for friendships. Definitely. Yeah. Um, if I could think of an example, I I have recently or like 
I've actually just, I feel like I'm, I'm getting over it now, but, um, I had a, I have a friend, um, who I has been like fading away from me. Um, or it has been for a long time. Like we met freshman year, um, and we were super close and I told her a lot of things about myself that I don't like. Usually I I have a hard time opening up to people Mm -hmm. sometimes. Um, and so, you know, that was a big step for me. And so in my mind, I was like, we are best friends now. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's always going to be like that. We have so much fun. And then, um, yeah, last year I just, I feel like it's kind of selfish to watch people like you, you feel really close to you make other friends and then those friends look closer to them than you were to them or you are to them. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of fade into like the background. Um, and then this, you know, this friend, we keep like, it's kind of like a wave. We get like, we've like fade and then we get close again. And then I go through the emotional turmoil of like not feeling like I'm good enough again um, because I can't seem to make it happen or like I can't seem to make our, us as close as we used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like that kind of reflects what we were talking about. And I've just, I've, I've recently come to the cl- conclusion, especially in this last month, that it is okay. Um, I don't really have anything else to say besides that it's okay and I, I am feeling more comfortable um, in being in that space and learning that things do change, like like we've been saying. Yeah, with that, have you ever felt in those types of, like, connections, have you ever felt like you were someone new going into a relationship and thinking that you were the secondary friend to their primary friend group? Could you rephrase that? Yeah, so <laughs> I have struggled with the idea of... Um, I a lot of times will try to make a friend with someone and then put myself in a secondary friend group, like secondary. I'm not their primary friend group. Oh, yeah. So like they have a group and then you enter that quote unquote group, but they're already so close that you don't get the connection that you're hoping for. Have you ever helped that had that feeling before? Oh, yeah, I do know. I've had that feeling before. I can't think of an exact moment. Because I, I guess it's just not coming to mind. Mm-hmm. I feel like in those situations, it usually doesn't last too long, at least with me, because I get scared. Um, that scares me. Um, and sometimes I just let it fade because I, I, I don't like secondary feeling secondary in my friendships. I guess mm-hmm. um, I I'm like one of those introverts who likes like my close friends near to me, um, and I feel satisfied with that. Um, and so sometimes if I, I feel like a friendship is going that way, then I won't put as much effort into it, which now as I'm talking about it, that seems kind of stupid of me. I feel like um, it's okay to have those um, secondary friendships and it doesn't mean that they're bad. If you have them, you can just, you know, leave them where they are and that's mm-hmm. all right. Have you ever felt that you've had a strong primary friendship though? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. That's what I. That's what I was wondering. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. That was also what I was wondering after you said what you said. Oh, it okay. wasn't like, have you ever felt like, whatever, whatever. No, you answered the question, so don't worry nice. about it. Nice. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Am I passing this test? Um, sure. Question mark. Is this a test? Yes. Okay. It's a test. You've passed. Yes. Yes. Everything in life's a test. No. Um. So, um. I started this podcast in the idea of looking at human re- human on human relationships and seeing how we interact with those relationships and how it can reflect to the way we act with God. Mm-hmm. So my question now is with everything you have gone through in relationships on, on, on a humanly level, what is your envision? What is your envisionment of your relationship with God? Like, does it reflect your human-to-human relationships, or is God more of this person in the clouds? Hmm. Yeah. Um, my relationship with God is very interesting because I've, I've been through a lot mm-hmm. um, with with him, um, especially, like, so, okay, I'll give you the short, the short spiel. Um, you can give us the long spiel, would, too. Okay. Well, Go ahead, whatever well, you feel. Okay. I, I anytime I talk about my relationship with God, I feel like we need the background because it's 
It's well, everybody needs background. The background. Um, so I guess when, when I was little, I like was like kind of like crazy about God. Like I loved Jesus so much and that hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I um, was entering high school, I had like this this traumatic experience that kind of made me realize that I was not ready to die. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got super scared. And that perfectionist thing I was mentioning earlier, um, I brought that into my relationship with God. And mm-hmm. it's something I shouldn't have done um, because I still struggle with it. Um, but I basically started to try preparing myself for heaven by doing all these like good things. Because mm-hmm. um, I was like, okay, I don't, I'm not ready to meet God and have him look at me and see that I haven't done anything. And so I, I was trying my best to like earn it. And I was just terrified. I was so terrified that um, I would get to heaven and God would say, no, like mm-hmm. go away, depart from me or, you know. Um, and it was a really scary time in my life. I actually started displaying a lot of um, obsessive compulsive um, qualities. Um, turns out there's actually um, a type of OCD known as scrupulosity for people who struggle with religious obsessions. Mm -hmm. Um, So a lot of it is characterized by like being scared of not having salvation um, and like assurance seeking um, from other people about it um, obsessively, like going over thoughts about heaven, hell, um, things related to that um, and doing a lot of like outward um, things that don't make sense to other people that for some reason in your brain, you're like, oh yeah, this is, I'm doing this for God. Like, for example, I couldn't use a, like red washcloths for a while because I thought that was like the color of hell, which is some scary stuff um, for like, um, I don't know, how old was I? Like a 16 year old to be going through. And so whew, that was rough. Um, I'm happy to say that I have had a lot of healing since then, I do still struggle with it. I actually just got out of like a little bit of a bout. But then the nice thing about it is that um, sometimes I will grow, go through like little phases that's like a week long as opposed to like if I like had like w- like one um, thought that like triggered um, a bunch of things for me, it might have lasted like two months mm-hmm. when I back back when I really struggled with it. Um, but I I don't think I would if I could go back and erase everything I don't think I would because it has taught me a lot about the character of God mm-hmm. um and grace and um just his heart for sinners I guess um like I like I said, I've always been a perfectionist since I was a kid. I am a goody two shoes down to the core. I love being good. I hate being bad. And so just like going before God and having him like be the person that's telling me it's okay that I'm making th- these mistakes, like I I still like am seeking or like I still just my my heart is still his. Like that's that's really good for me to realize. I'm actually I've been reading this book lately. It's called um Gentle and Lowly by Dane Orton. Um, And in one of the first chapters, it was talking about how, um, well, here's the passage. It's like, um, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, or something like that. That's probably not a good direct quotation at all. But um, in the time that that was written, the heart meant like the core of your being, the reason you do everything that you do. Um, the thing that gets you up in the morning and what you desire most. Mm-hmm. So Jesus's most deepest inner heart is to run towards sinners, to be lowly so he can be access accessible to them um, and to be gentle and kind to them. And that's something that I really need to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, so the way I would say to, to, to go back to relationships um, and your question, um, the way that I see it reflected is I have a fear of people leaving me. Um, I've had a lot of friendships that have just washed away, I guess. And I, I fear that um, God's going to be like that too. And um, through all my time, I've learned that he's not like that. He's not like people. So when we do compare our relationships um, with other people to our relationships with God, 
that's good. There's a lot of qualities that people have that um, exhibit the qualities of God. But at the same time, people, they will let you down, mm-hmm. but God won't. And if you just pay attention to the, his faithfulness and just keep looking at him and trusting him for what you need, it's he's going to come through, um, even it's a, if it's a really long time. If you're going through a really long period of something rough, he's he's not going to abandon you. So That's a good perspective to have as well on this show because I think a lot of times that um, we may talk about our relationships with others and how it can reflect God's nature, but also like our relationships with others aren't all what God is because you said he's never going to leave you um, like human relationships could. So I think that's important to understand as well. So thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Uh, Because maybe... One, I have never thought about like the negatives of relationships reflecting God's character. And I think that is a good point that I've never thought about it like that because I've always looked for God's character in the positive relationships. But we can also look for God's character in the negative of relationships and see that God's character is not those negative things. Yeah, exactly. I think you can take heart in the fact that like when your friend like does something bad to you or like says something rude and passing that God wouldn't do that to you. And you Mm -hmm. can at least be happy about that. And maybe it helps you to let go a little bit of the things that people did to, to wrong you. Yeah. And it could also be, um, a great way to understand how sometimes we may treat God in a rude way. Oh, that's a good point. Like, uh, the way we could actually, you know, be angry at someone and say terrible, terrible things to them in a relationship or so on. Um, that happens. And so like those negative parts are part of our relationship with God. Maybe he's not the one doing them, but we are. Yeah. And so understanding that um, those negative things can happen in a relationship, but also understanding that God is there through those negative things and will never leave you because of those negative things. So very good points. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Yes. I'm just a fount of wisdom. (laughs) Well, that's why I bring so many people on here because there are so many different ways so many different thought processes. We're so limited to the way we think about things because of the way we have become our character. Yeah. And so like everyone has a different character and a way of thinking. And so I think it's great to talk about these things. And um, that's why I started the podcast is for this right here. Yeah. You know, different ways of thinking. Excellent idea for a podcast, by the way. I mean, you can never run out of material. (laughs) Relationships, you know. There's always going to be something. Everybody has them. Everybody has them, unless you're, you know, a hermit. But then again, there's still a relationship somewhere there. And you could even go to relationship with nature, so. Yeah. Which is one of our podcasts Relationship this, with so. yourself. Mm-hmm. Hermits have that, at least. Yeah, they do. And uh, if we're talking about biblical hermits, they have a relationship with God. True. So, you know, there's like that. the guys who hung out in the desert, like in the early days in the church, like St. Anthony. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> <yeah>. sorry, <laughs> no. I was just thinking about CWC and how they were like, yeah, he saw demons in the desert and he well, vibed and had a great time and conquered them. And I was like, I remember sitting in there just thinking that was weird. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of weird things in uh, scripture, so, but... There's a lot of good things in scripture. And I think there's a lot of weird things in relationships. So <laughs> around, take it back around, take circle it back, it back around. around, circle it back around. It's what I do best here. Good job. Well, sorry. I got I off to topic. Do. No, it's fine. I mean, the reason, one of the reasons why I love this is because I want this to be like a natural conversation. I want it to be guided in certain questions, but I want it to be natural in the same, Absolutely. in the same way. So, um, which brings me another question oh, next question that next question do you think since we're talking about uh earthly relationships and humanly relationships and understanding god's character through them both a negative and positive um do you think it's important to have a grasp on earthly relationships or understand them in a certain way to also understand god's character yes yes um so i had one friend um say to me once she was like well we were all asked the question it was actually during freshman year shift so great stuff great stuff i loved shift i love shift i wish they still had it for upperclassmen me too 
I would totally go to it. I would. We would be the only ones, probably. I'm joking. Dang it. <laughs> At least there'd be two. Um, anyway, um, our shift leaders asked us the question. They were like, where do you see God most in life? Um, and I, I don't remember my answer, but I do remember her answer. Um, and she said in other people. And that was the first time I actually thought about that. Um, and I was like, you know what? She's actually right. Because, you know, God did make us in his image. Um, and, you know, biblical scholars will argue over what that means exactly. But I think it means um, that we all have a little piece of him inside us and we exhibit it somehow. And we don't always succeed in perfectly exhibiting it to others, but mm-hmm. um, we will show it. So I think that everything good in a person is what's good in God. And so we can, you know, when you're with your friend and they have like the best sense of humor just like ever, that's, that's a piece of God. Or like when you're with another person and they're just like the kindest, sweetest soul, that's also another aspect of God. Um, so I think when you do see the great things of your friends, you can like give glory to God for that. Mm-hmm. And for those of the audience members who don't go to Bethel, shift oh. is... <laughs> no, it, this is what happens um, uh, more than once. Uh, shift is a program that Bethel University does for freshman students. It is a Wednesday night um, event in your dorm uh, floors Yeah, where um, you have leaders that guide you in um, talking about um, a lot of things. You know, some may be like, what's your relationship with God? Or some may be, let's look at the scripture and how does this make you feel about certain things? Or it could just be like, uh, what's your favorite donut? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We went to Denny's a couple times. And one time we sled, we, um, sled down is, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to be an English major and I don't know how to conjugate that. We sled, sledding, we slid down, um, um, Seminary Hill. Um, we didn't use lunch trays like a lot of people do, but we did go sledding and we hit a couple of trees instead of like talking in the dorm for that night. So it shift is whatever you want it to be. Mm-hmm. So yeah, with the sled thing. It may be regularized to sledded down the hill because that kind of sounds right, you know, because not a lot of people use slide or slid. Slid. Slid, I mean. So it may be regularized to sledded for those it, of out there. You you could be the first to know. You know what? I think we went sledding would probably be the best way for me to have worded that. Or you could say we sledded down the hill. You could regularize it. Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so... Seeing relationships as like a window to God's character, I think is something that is a repeat thing on this show, Um, which brings me to my question with this question is, um, is this goodness that we see in others, the displayment of the, the idea of the image of God or is the image of God or being made in the image of God, something you think is totally different? Hmm. You know, God didn't really specify the way that we were made in his image. So we can speculate. Um, the thing I was saying earlier is how I tend to view it. Um, but also it could just mean that we look like him. I mean, Jesus um, looked like a human, and I don't really know what he looked like before the incarnation. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, he definitely could have had like a human looking body and and we that could be the way we display his quality. It could also be in just like our souls. Mm-hmm. I think um, the way that we just exhibit his knowledge of um, good and bad in our in our um, consciousness. I I am not sure, Seth. I, I don't know. That's okay. The Imago Dei is something that's talked about still to this day in theological theologian circles, so don't worry about it. I mean, yeah. What, what that's why I asked the question is like what what does it mean to be made in the image of God and people have very different answers and I think all of them have some aspect of who God is mm-hmm. um in human nature. And so yeah. Um so on the topic of relationships and God, what do you think your relationship with God is like now? Today. Today. Yeah. 
It's, I mean, like, I think everybody experiences up and downs when you're, like, in relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Um, what, I mean, like, yes, I will still have times when I struggle and times when I'm not feeling great. Um, but then there's also times when I, you know, I can recognize and I can feel confident in his um, faithfulness to me. Um I think overall, through everything, I just, I maintain, like, a trust in him. I think trust is so important in our relationships with God, by the way. Um, the, the Greek word for faith actually kind of looks closer to our word for trust mm-hmm. than it does believe, because mm-hmm. believe is just mental assent. Mm-hmm. Um, but trust is, like, um, putting, putting, like, relying on someone for your needs um, so have your needs met with your sins, have your needs met, um, well, rely on him for direction in your life and to be the person to lean on, you know? So I try to rely on him to the best of, of my ability. Um, but I still, I still fall short there cause I'm not perfect. I have a hard time, um, letting someone else do something for me. Um, so yeah, I, I, I do that. Um, and yeah, I would just say overall I try to remember that about him and let that filter into my life and into my relationships with others. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's what I would say. So how, how, oh goodness, how am I going to phrase this? Your your relationship with God now, um, how is that different than your relationship with God when you left high school or before college started, or was there a big transition in your relationship with God between this moment of college and high school that brought you to today? No, it's very slow. Very slow. Um, Healing is slow Mm -hmm. or maybe I should rather, I should say growth. Growth is slow. Um, I have this image in my head of, um, God with like a chisel. I don't know if you've ever seen the skit guys. Mm-hmm. You have. I know. I know which episode and you, you're and talking about. And you know about. the skit. Yeah. Like so, he God's for people who are listening and they haven't ever seen that. Um, it's like the skit these two guys put on, and um, it's one of the guys is um playing God, and he comes in with a chisel to this other guy who's like struggling with sins and like areas of his life he needs to go go um he needs to go over with God. And um, God keeps chiseling them out of him, and it's a slow, painful process, but also it you know releases you from a lot of things, and it comes mm-hmm. with a lot of freedom. And so, um, I like doing art too, and I know that art is a slow process. Um, and so, God is working on us slowly, and your relationship with God um, changes slowly but also very drastically i think in like many ways that we don't even realize mm-hmm. um like i if i like if i think back to the ways that, that my like my old patterns of thinking and my old behaviors like i've i've made a lot of progress and i've i've changed a lot and god has changed my heart a lot towards a lot of things um and shown me a lot of love and grace so that's cool. <laughs> um, let's see. I'm trying to think of a good example. Do you, uh, with that, the examples that we're thinking of a lot of times are metaphorical. Yeah. Of God's character. I mean, relationships can be metaphorical to God's character. The artist can be metaphorical to God's character. Um, the judge can be metaphorical to God's character. Like all these metaphors, and as an English major, Maybe. Metaphors. Love them. Metaphors are great, and you can see them in everyday language. Um, we talk about, um, you know, a whole bunch of metaphors. Like, I don't know. I can't think of the one off the top of my head because <laughs> now I'm on the spot. But there are a lot of metaphors that we use in language to describe things. Do you think that using metaphors to describe God is also a good way to understand who he is as a person besides just like experiencing relationships? Oh, yes. Yes. I think the reason we like to use metaphors is because we have some semblance 
of what these things that we're talking about looks like. Like mm-hmm. we have like hands-on experience with them. Um, and a lot of these, we've had relationships with maybe these kinds of people or these kind of situations that we're trying to depict. Um, and so it's, it's good to think of God that way, I think. Um, wow, I kind of just lost my train of thought. Hold on, hold on. Um, holding. Holding. <laughs> <laughs> um, but let's see. <laughs> I, Seth, can you ask your question again? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, do you think metaphors <laughs> are just as important to understanding God's character as experiencing relationships? Right. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. That was the experiencing relationships part. I think that um, being familiar with metaphors is like being familiar with a person and they intersect in many ways. And so it helps us to understand God. Relationships and metaphors help us to understand and get closer with God. Um, When Jesus was teaching, he used parables Mm -hmm. and stories because we're familiar with them. And, you know, they teach us um, way easier than maybe a whole theological rant could. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, I mean, poetry can reach the depth of feeling more than just, like, writing about them on a piece of paper. Exactly. And a lot of poetry is metaphorical, you know, these apostrophes, which is not not the same as, like, putting an apostrophe S, by the way. It's a type of uh, a metaphorical writing in poetry. But um, these these ways of writing certain things to get certain reactions out of people you know, I think are so valuable to explaining something that we may not have words for. Mm-hmm. And I think that can be important to God's character too because we we don't understand God's character fully, so we use metaphors. Exactly. I think God has a special way of bringing metaphors into our life too. I mean, of course, we need to make sure that like these metaphors are biblical, right? Mm-hmm. Let me just say that because I, I like, you know, you have to know that what you're talking about is truthful. But I think God has a special way of bringing metaphors like this into our lives. Like you and I are both in choir. So mm-hmm. I feel like you would probably understand this. Um, but throughout my life, I've had, um, throughout, my, <laughs> throughout my time in choirs, um, I've had a lot of songs. I um, mean, they're not even, they don't, they don't even have to be religious songs per se. Um, but there will be a metaphor in them or like some, some word or phrase um, that will really make me think about God um, and um, my relationship with him and his relationship with me. Um, let's see. Um, in I used to be in this choir in, back in high school. Um, it was an after-school choir, so we'd meet together on Sundays. It was called the Youth Chorale of Central Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, and we sung this song once called As the Rain Hides the Stars. And it was talking about um, when, when the rain clouds come in and you can't see the stars anymore, um, you're usually filled with a lot of sorrow, um, but you do know that um, the stars are still there shining. Um, and in another place in the song, um, some of the words wa- were, um, though I may stumble in my going, though I may stumble, you do not fall. It is enough. And if I may hold your hand in the darkness, it is enough. So it is just, to me, as I was singing that, I was, I was and this, like, I was in high school right now, right? Um, so this was the time when I was still struggling a lot with like, oh my gosh, is God going to leave me? Does he love me? Mm-hmm. How can I do ever do enough to earn him? You know, I was struggling with those ideas. And as I heard this song, I really, it really struck me deep. And it was a really helpful part of learning about God and who he was, um, that he is going to hold my hand in the darkness, and I'm going to stumble. There's no way that I'm not going to stumble no matter how hard I try because it's dark, it's raining, I can't see the stars. Mm -hmm. Um, But he's going to hold my hand, and it's going to be enough. Mm. It's a good metaphor in a song. I love that song. I could give you so many more songs. Guys, choir music is so underappreciated. It is. Join choir, everyone. Join choir. You know... Uh, when I before I joined choirs, I thought choir music sounded bad. I'm not gonna lie, but then like you join, and then you're like, "Wow, this is so cool!" So, yeah, just give it a try, guys. Adding music to a metaphor just brings it to a whole nother level, I think, as well. Yes. So, but um, yeah, I can't remember what I was going to say next. That's okay. It happens it anyway. Happen. Um, on the subject of 
um, metaphors in music. Um, a lot of times we will listen or write or experience in some way um, a piece of uh, work, um, such as a song, that will bring us to this weird place that we have never felt before. Have you ever had that experience? Oh, yeah. And um, do you think that those experiences could be windows into um, what heaven would be like or what God's character is or how things can be? Yeah, I, I definitely do. Um, I think my personal opinion is that God did design music to bring us closer to him because mm -hmm. it's something that like reaches us deeply for some reason. And I have no idea why it does. It's literally just sounds. Um, but it, it, it like touches us, um, very, very deeply. Um, and you know, when you, when you feel that feeling, um, when you're, when you're singing music or if you're listening to music or making music, whatever you do with music, um, y you like, transcend into like this cool state or like this cool new way of thinking um and i don't know i feel like that's a lot of what worship is like it teaches us to more um fully appreciate the things that the creator has made um and the things that the creator has um is doing or has given us and when you're thinking about that when you're singing or making music that's that's worship um, and obviously I think we're going to be worshiping in heaven like all the time. And it's not just through music. It's, there's mm -hmm. tons of ways to worship God, but that's one of them. So I think it totally is a window into what, um, heaven and bliss and, um, just wholeness looks like. Yeah. And I think the Bible can help us understand those ideas as well, because the Bible is full of metaphors. Oh yeah. Ugh, full of them. I, I mean, love me a good biblical metaphor. There are so many of them in the Bible. Um, you just talked about Jesus teaching teaching with parables and stories, but even before Jesus' time, the Old Testament, para, uh, metaphors were everywhere. Uh -huh. Metaphors were everywhere for everything. And I think it helps us understand this idea of not being able to put words to something or the idea that we can put words to something that can bring us a new experience. Mm -hmm. um, so the metaphor of the, um, oh, not the metaphor, the story of the of 100 sheep and he lost one. Mm -hmm. You know, we can take that literally in the sense that, yeah, he's going and leaving the 99 to find this one um, uh, lamb. Um, but at the same time, when we think about it, in terms of this way of thinking about God's relationship with us, I think it brings more importance to something. And I think that's the way I think about relationships with each other mm -hmm. and the way that sometimes we can just be like, oh, yeah, we learned this about a relationship. But at the same time, if we think about this relationship in a very abstract way into like we experience God's character, I think it can be another way in which... Um, we can have a revelation into feelings for God. Yeah, yeah. I, I like, to how God will compare himself. Like, he, God is the metaphor. Like, he won't always just, like, my my love is as blah da 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 He's like, no, I am this. Um, and it really helps us get a good grasp of who he is um, because he's, uh, he's, explaining things in human terms and, and our ways of understanding, which is really helpful. Um, so yours with the 99, I really like that because Jesus is the one, he's comparing himself to the shepherd. He mm -hmm. is the one going after the sheep. Um, one of my other favorite um, biblical metaphors is like, it's in, I think it's somewhere in Isaiah, but like God is talking about like, he's, he's saying like, could um, a mother, you know, abandon her child, you know? Um, and then I think about my mom, you know, um, and we're he, like, he's explaining things in terms of relationships, like, mm, um, mm -hmm. a shepherd to his sheep, um, a mother to her child. And I, you know, my mom, <laughs> she, I, I've been really blessed with really great parents. Um, 
And so I know that she would never do that. And if my, my mom's love is so strong, how much f- stronger is God's love? He wouldn't abandon me like, like, a new, like if, like as a mother would abandon a newborn baby, like they, moms don't do that, at least good moms. And we know that God is a perfect father. Boom. There we go. End of podcast. Bye. Bye. I, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, as we're finishing up our, our, our time here, coming to a close, I just have one more question for you. Um, with your life experience and what you know and so on and so forth, everything that makes you you, what is one thing that you have learned that has helped you envision your relationship with God in a better way? And how can we turn what you've learned into a discipline into helping ourselves? Oh, my goodness. I have to come up with something really smart. Something on the spot uh, right now. <laughs> Boom. Um, I feel like I just, I mean, I already, I feel like I touched on a lot of things. But um, let's see. There used to be this painting. Um, actually, there still is this painting that is hung up in my house. And it is a picture of Jesus reaching into the water and grabbing Peter, who sunk like a wimp underneath the waves. He wasn't a wimp. We all would have done it. We know. Um, If we even stepped out of the boat. If we would have even stepped out of the boat. Um, But I am totally Peter in that situation. Um, And so is probably everybody else because you are sinking. You are, you you have no, you you have never had swimming lessons um, and you don't know how to get up. And Jesus is the one grabbing out to you and reaching um, out his hand to you. And once he grabs onto you, he's he's probably going to grab around your wrist. Um, and I'm showing Seth in the studio right now how you can grab onto someone's wrist so they can't let go. Um, so it doesn't matter your grip. Um, God is going to pull you through. Um, and, like, like, as soon as you put your trust in Jesus, as soon as, like, you come to him, um, this is what he's like every time you sin, every time you mess up. Every time you are not the perfect child, he's going to pull you out of the waters in life. And just imagine that, please. (laughs) Um, Think about God that way. Um, He is a savior. He's a good mother. He is a good father. He's a good shepherd. He's a good rescuer. He's a good everything. Mm -hmm. And I just contemplate that. Think about the metaphors. Um, Pray to him as if he's those things. Mm, so, mm. bam. There bam. you go. That's my answer. That's your answer. And that is a great way to close the podcast episode. Um, I would like to uh, thank you, uh, Caitlin, for joining me. And I'm sure everyone else is so happy that you were on here. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, Thank you for having me. This was a super fun conversation. Yeah. So, um, thank you um, again. And, uh, yeah, that's it. Peace out. Peace out.